Binging on movies with Rebecca and Jason. Are you gonna love them or hate them? Here comes the binge. Hey, everybody. Welcome to The Binge, in which a couple of homos review the latest movies. I'm Jason Leroy. And I'm Rebecca Olarte. And today we have three recent releases. Scream. Nope. <laughs> Screed. <laughs> <laughs> Let me just add them up. It'll be Screed 9. Um, no it's creed three scream six and ant-man and the wasp quantumania and as always we're going to rate these movies on a three-tiered scale with binge being our highest rating consume in moderation means it's okay but it's kind of meh and send it back means life is too short for that sequel because we are we are all in on sequels this week. Uh, because Ant Man and the Wasp: Quantumania is just a fancy way of saying Ant Man Three. Uh, we are very excited uh, this week because we are joined by a fan favorite guest uh, for uh, one of our one of our first guests of the uh, of our Skype era. Uh, so excited to have her back. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to the binge, Ashley De La Torre. Hey, thanks for having me. I know this is my first time joining y'all post-COVID. Yes, I know. It's been so long. Last time you were with us, we were still sitting in my apartment in San yes. Francisco, wow. with, which I no longer occupy. I, right. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know who is in that room right now, uh, but it's not us. So, uh, Ashley, catch us up. How you been? Um, I've been good. I've been in the house. <laughs> Still, <laughs> for the most part, uh, not just working and yeah, regular living regular life. Yeah, yeah, and and seeing a lot of movies. Yes, um, <laughs> Scream was actually I think my twenty sixth movie so far this year. I've been trying what? to write it down. Uh, uh, there have well, been 26 movies released this year? Well, so it's either <laughs> movies that I've seen that are either new to me or new releases. So I think the ones that I saw that... Actually, yeah, they're mostly <laughs> new releases, yeah. except John Wick 1, and three, one through 3, because I hadn't oh, seen sure. any of the John Wicks. And mm. I wanted to see number 4 when I saw the trailers. I was like, oh, I have to watch all the John Wicks. Did you yeah. watch them all in one, like sitting or like uh close together no i didn't i watched two and three the same day but i watched one like a few days before okay i need to mm. we saw also saw the trailer for john wick and i wanted to see it and my partner soul hasn't seen any of them and so like oh we got to catch up and i was trying to see if it's a bad idea to watch all of them at once i'm assuming sure. yes I think it's actually cool to watch them all at once also r.i.p lance riddick who just passed away <sighs> Uh, yes. This <clears throat> this week that was um very hard. Lance Reddick, who is in John Wick, but also famously from The Wire and Fringe mm-hmm. and many voiceovers of video games and mm-hmm. Castlevania and just so many things. That was a really tough one for me and my friends because we just loved him so much and we were all just kind of. In the group chat, sharing our favorite like <laughs> Lance Reddick moments, mm-hmm. um, Eric Andre show, which was oh one right, of the best ones. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah, that it was 
seemed really unexpected. Yeah. yeah. He was literally doing in the middle of doing press for the new John Wick. And like, um, I think he was on Bevy Smith's podcast like the day before he passed. Oh, my God. Oh, my gosh. Well, he was for sure one of a kind. I mean, like everybody knows him if they've seen him in something. He's the kind of actor who just made an immediate impression, you know, and you just always want to see more of. He just had such an incredible presence and energy that he brought to everything he did. Mm-hmm. So uh, the binge, binge shout out to the beautiful legacy of Lance Reddick. Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing John Wick 4 myself, uh, not only for his legacy, but just because those movies always deliver. And plus, this one has Rina Sawayama, uh, who is mainly mainly just known as a sort of like a, a, a left field gay pop diva. Uh, making her, I believe, her acting debut as one of the, uh, I think, a villain in John Wick 4. So lots to commend about it. And I know Rebecca enjoys uh, a last-minute binge. It's right there in the name of the show. She she, she prefers <laughs> to wait until the last uh, until the last possible uh, moment to, to do them all. So I think why not, you know, do that sure. for, the, for the John Wick films. Uh, you should definitely probably familiarize yourself with at least the, the plot detail that does involve a pet mm. in peril. Uh, yeah, maybe that's why I never saw the first one. I think it, we yeah. saw the second one together, or at least for the show. Um, yeah, the first one to me is the best one so far. Still, well, then I'll just well, at least watch the first one. But it's yeah, it, it, it's its own. Um, I I was like, you'll like it. You know, it's a it's its own universe, and, and it's it's not in in that it's a it's not a cinematic universe, right? There aren't like offshoots yet, but it mm-hmm. is its own like cast of characters. It's always the most like stacked, randomly cast, and like Bridget Moynihan is in every film, but she's like not alive. Is <laughs> 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 the first one is just such a simple plot, which makes it so fire to me. Like it's not even like a it's a revenge plot, but like not really because it's not like you killed my family or you harmed me but it's more like oh you were very disrespectful now i have to kill everyone (laughs) you know it's like the minimalist of disrespect now everyone has to die and i'm gonna catch the bus (laughs) in order to get to you that's how much i want you to die right no exactly it really it harkens back to hannibal lecter in that way because all hannibal lecter really did was was kill people who he thought were being disrespectful uh so uh, I think that there's a perhaps a, a larger cinematic universe in which John Wick and Hannibal Lecter come together. Who knows? Uh, but to Rebecca's point, anything's possible um, with the future of this of this franchise. Uh, one uh, cinematic universe that John Wick has yet to be present in is that of the Academy Awards, mm. <laughs> which which happened a week ago today as we are taping. Uh, I know that Ashley and I watched them because we were texting throughout. Rebecca, did you did you watch them live or did you just kind of watch the the coverage? What was your engagement? No, this year? I definitely I watched them live. And uh, and what were what were what were some of your thoughts on that? I don't think I've cried that much during an awards show ever. Um, both from the from the very beginning, right? They kind of started off with the bang with best supporting actor, all the way to that animated short with the animals. Just looking at that little mole in the snow, mm. I lost lost it. Um, okay, wait, yeah. Rebecca, I'm gonna let you finish. 
<laughs> in the famous words of Kanye, uh, the previously uh, previous unproblematic Kanye, but uh, <laughs> the first award of the night actually went to <laughs> Guillermo del Toro for best mm-hmm. animated film for Pinocchio, and I remember that because I was extremely excited. Jason knows I've been rooting for Pinocchio since before it even came out because I went to yes. a screening of it, <laughs> and I love Guillermo. So that was my only that addition to true. what you said. Yeah, it was the very started out on a high note. Yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to think That's if that true. made me cry. It and, may have. And I also. think and I think I told Ashley once that happened, I was like, just turn it off now. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> if you just turn it off now, then you can go out on a high note because uh, I'm like, I don't know that you're gonna love all the wins that are coming. And sure enough, you did, did not. not. <laughs> but I did like he went in. I agree with Rebecca. Like that was very very sweet. Um, and Rebecca, you're a crier. <laughs> said you cried the whole time. The whole I mean, night. we started off. I mean, I am a Pisces. Um, <laughs> okay, I'm a Cancer. Oh, okay. Well, I mean, See? we shouldn't There's be a... stranger uh-huh. to the tears. Right. <laughs> well, Scott's my husband's a cancer as well. Uh, and yeah, not a crier. So did not. I don't think either of us shed a tear all through the Oscars. Uh, but, you I know, didn't. of course, famously, I'm not a crier at all. So. You're all plugged <laughs> up. <laughs> well, you have enough tears for all of us. And that's and right. That's, and, that, and, that, and that's important. <laughs> that's important. Uh, so, yeah. So what were some other uh, highlights of the ceremony for you, Rebecca? Uh, I mean, I think Jimmy Kimmel did a great job at just being a host. Um, nothing special, but I think he's really, um, I don't know. He kind of has like a bit of a, well, I can't believe I'm saying this about Jimmy Kimmel of all people, but like he has like grown and he has like a maturity about him these days. And I'm not comparing it to any host in the past. I don't know. He like didn't kind of like go too hard. He didn't like make it too much about him, I think. That ends up happening sometimes with award shows, and it's like kind of distracting. Such as when he did it at the Emmys, and okay, that, that was, was yeah. Just, I, I was worried about the I was whole. Just thinking the, that when, when Rebecca he said he was mature, <laughs> he learned. He learned after the whole Quinta Brunson episode. Um, right. Yes. You know. This, he, uh, he, yeah, it's just true. We we can't we can't deny that he did not lie down on the ground next to a winner as they gave a speech at the Oscars. It did not happen. It did not happen. Uh, so, so credit credit where it's due he did not do that uh now i know that we on the show um you know certainly were big fans of everything everywhere all at once so i certainly was stoked uh for its landslide of wins and it's actually the third time in the last five years that the movie that i actually thought was the best movie of the year won best picture uh, the previous two times being uh, Nomadland and Parasite. Mm. So it's it's which is unusual because I mean for years and years and years and years and years the best picture was very rarely the actual best movie of the year. Uh, it, you know in in, a, in like a critical estimation you know. So yeah I was I was I, when I started to see everything everywhere like collect all the Guild Awards in the run up to the Oscars I was like. I was scared to even admit to myself that it could happen, that it could actually win Best Picture. I'm like, there's just no way. It, I just can't see it happening. Like, it's going to be the fucking Fablemans, and we all know it. <laughs> oh, yeah, that was... I think we were all resigned for that piece of shit to win. Right. <laughs> and, I mean, I can't believe that you... Like, you got so 
they must have felt so great. You got so lucky with that one. You also, uh, who you thought should win Best Supporting Actress won. So congratulations <laughs> on that, Jason. <laughs> okay, Rebecca is starring is 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 trying to get me in trouble. Uh, I. <laughs> I mean, I have it somewhere here where you sent me the text that said, my girl won, like I told you she would. Oh Suck it. <laughs> I'll send it to you, Ashley. Send your screenshot. I need, as Monet would say, ocular proof. Because uh, I know Jason did sit up there and say Jamie was the best <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I I I did not. Uh, although I did, when Ashley and I were texting that day, I did make a joke about like something funny if J- the Jamie Lee could say if she won, and Ashley, you were like, she's not going to win, but yes, that would be funny. And I didn't want to say, I'm just like, I think she is going to win. Like I feel like the tides have turned in her favor, and like it's 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 going to happen. It was, it was that just. Bad. Right. It was the SAG award was definitely an indicator that like that, that she had managed to. Um, yeah. I mean, she, this is, she's like this, this amazing example of somebody who just campaigned so effectively um, that she just sort of like made the entire acting branch fall in love with her um, to be like, Oh yes. Like we, we want to see this, this can, this continue on Oscar night. Yeah. Um, but. Uh, say, <clears throat> sorry, go ahead. Oh no, go ahead. I was going to say, I will say this. Going into the Oscars, I'm just glad that that Leslie lady didn't win. Because oh that would have been a mess, one. And two, it was a bit disappointing. Like, I know <clears throat> I'm always rooting for Angela Bassett, but I personally thought that Stephanie should have won 100%. the award. And I thought that would have also been a better sweep for the film, everything, everywhere, all at once. Mm-hmm. Um, I wasn't as obsessed with the movie as everyone else was personally, but I did recognize like how great of a film it was, even though it was personally like not my favorite. Um, I did recognize what it was and what it did uh, and the impact it had. And so I actually was happy that it won all of those awards. It was great to see the Daniels and the editor, who was probably the real winner of the, yeah. <laughs> of the movie right? and of the night. He definitely deserved that damn award. Um, mm. But I honestly thought that even just would have been a better look for the movie and it would have just been overall just a better moment. Um, what's Stephanie yeah. about? Sue? Sue. Yeah, Stephanie Sue. Sue. Yeah. Sue. <laughs> yeah. Um, I just thought that was in person because going into, I'm not going to lie. I told my friend this too. I was like, honestly, just overall with the nominations, I wasn't the most eager about that category in the best actor category, just because I thought there were better, even everybody nominated. Like I thought there were better performances that I saw, especially given that nobody from women King or women talking was nominated in those categories. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought those were some of the best performances I had seen all year. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was like already kind of like, I don't really care who wins. But then afterwards, I was like, damn, I wish Stephanie would have won because that would have been just a great like moment overall. I 100 percent agree. I, the first time I saw the movie, I was like, oh, my God, Michelle Yeoh. And then the second time I saw the movie, I said, like, no, it's absolutely Stephanie Shu makes the entire film. It would not have been the same movie if if she hadn't sold that the that character and, and like the the multitudes that that character contains um the attitude changes the 
uh, vulnerability, it is, I think I saw a tweet that, that is like the insult of, of it going to Jamie the Curtis is because it means you watch the movie and you still thought it would be Jamie the Curtis over Stephanie Chu. Right. The one white lady, like out of all the people, the, the Asian ass movie you just watched and you was like, you know who did a great job? <laughs> the white lady that played the IRS agent. Like, what? It's like, I mean, it's I really insane. Like the levels people go to to be like, let's pick the one whitest thing out of this and give them an award for it. That for reminds me of, sorry, sorry. I just, that reminds me, have you guys been watching the trailers for the Nike movie? Oh, yeah. Yes, yeah. I was just thinking that when I said it. It's like, you know what we really need is the white man that the own four? the company to actually tell the story. Because don't be... we don't already have Michael Jordan literally telling right. the story in the Last Dance documentary series. The exact story from his perspective, <laughs> the person who literally made all of the money for them, right? And they're like, you know what's missing? the white perspective right and not just and not just that but like the white corporate wealthy perspective right. played by no other than right. the whitest of the white boston heirs that are matt damon and ben affleck it is just oh insane God. that trailer i can't get away from it and i'm just like did we need a whole movie about the story of a shoe and like a marketing campaign around a shoe it's it's yeah i it's it's, unbelievable. it's, it's wild I wonder if it would say it's one of those things where it's like they have to get the trailer out before yeah. or they're like waiting to drop who's going to play Michael Jordan or whatever <sighs> it is. But it's like this is it has to be a joke. It feels like a Saturday Night Live skit. Yeah. Like, and yet it played you know, Michael by. Jordan. You've heard of Michael Jordan. But have you heard of like, you know, I don't know, <laughs> Brian Smith and <laughs> other Brian Jones and <laughs> Brian from from fucking marketing <laughs> like Brian the dog this is like right. the spreadsheet story of behind the story you exactly it's like oh here's the hidden here's the secret white history they don't want you to know <laughs> <laughs> this is like a DeSantis production right because we don't already know who Phil Knight is right because he needs more PR Oh my god. Um, to your other yeah. point, I do think that other than the best supporting actor, um, Kiki Kwan's moment of like pure joy, I think the second most real moment in the Oscars was seeing Andrea Riseborough's face when she lost. Oh, and I so think relieved. the weight of the world <laughs> dropped <laughs> off her shoulders <laughs> and she <laughs> couldn't have been a happier loser. Oh my god. Yes. She was like, she, absolutely. She was like, thank God I'm not the white woman that got picked for this. <laughs> exactly. Um, exactly. But she was also, trying not to like, even look at the camera. She was no, like, don't even look at me. Near, <laughs> look at her in with the red carpet, too. I mean, well, the white carpet, champagne, right. whatever. It was dirty. But, like, it seems like she took the most plainest way to slide down that damn carpet. Like, she was literally matching the background. Um, the hair, the skin, the makeup, the dress, it was all just like, I do not want to be seen. Mm, and and that, I'm just that, my friends, my that's acting. Right. <laughs> and that's why she's a chameleon. Exactly. That's why she was nominated. She's mm -hmm. wonderful. Mm -hmm. Right. Exactly. exactly. It had no, 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 the IG videos had no bearing whatsoever. It was just all <laughs> talent. Right, right. You know, and I, I like the one other award I was just, I, I was just 
so relieved about. In in some way, I feel like this this is the one I'm the most excited about because it was not a foregone conclusion like the Everything Everywhere uh, sweep was. Was Sarah Polly winning the screenplay Oscar for Women Talking? Yeah, that was great. Yeah, that was wonderful. I her speech was, was great. Yes, and she dragged the Academy immediately. <laughs> yes, I love that, and um, I hope the Academy takes what she said and what Gina Prince Bythewood said in her mm. Hollywood Reporter artist uh, article seriously, um, so we don't continue to have repeats of this because um, right. it's not like this haven't happened before, but. It just seemed it always just seems more egregious as like the films keep getting better. Mm, mm, <laughs> right. Oh, it's like, damn, like it doesn't matter what people do. It's just not we're not getting there. So um, I did I did really enjoy Sarah Pauly, um winning because I actually really enjoyed women talking a lot. Oh, that was phenomenal oh did you finally watch it rebecca yes yes uh-uh. <laughs> oh good which i which i didn't mean to shade it's just <laughs> on our, i know on our year-end uh, episode i i named it as a favorite movie of mine and, and you mentioned you hadn't watched it yet and i was i was yes. like no this movie is like for you yeah i mean it's a movie like a play and i love a movie like a play <laughs> just a bunch of people talking in one room yes right mm-hmm. and they're women go yeah, on like, Oh, it's actually women. Like, it's just women talking. Like, that's literally the movie. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay, I get it. I get it. Right. And then also, <laughs> and don't forget Paddington. Oh, yeah, Paddington. My guy Paddington was in there. What's your name? Ben Wishaw? <laughs> ben Wishaw. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But I call him Paddington because I mostly know him from playing the voice of Paddington there. But he did great uh, in that movie as the one one man we got to hear speak. Exactly. Uh, and... And if he had won an Oscar for this movie and no one else had, that would be oh, like <laughs> Jimmy Lee. That would have been wild. <laughs> but I don't know if anything would have been wilder than the makeup win of the night was for The Whale. Oh, yeah. Her best makeup. And it's like, you went in for a fat suit and mm. 2023 is absurd like i could not believe that movie won for that specific uh award and then that hour-long run of all quiet on the western front bro i was so tired of hearing that damn music oh my god i damn near (laughs) muted the tv like every time i was like oh my god i don't want to hear these british people get up here talking (laughs) <laughs> yeah, that was that was an un, an unpleasant uh, Netflix sweep through the middle of the ceremony. Uh, but fortunately, back. Yeah, yeah. I think when it lost to Women Talking and adapted, that was part of that was part of why I was also so was happy like, that Women Talking won. I know yes. it's okay, good <laughs> because like there were some people out there in the pundit world that were like, "All Quiet could upset in Best Picture because like." Yeah, it didn't win the guilds, but that's because it wasn't um, eligible for the guilds because it's it's a you know foreign production. Uh, so they were like, this movie has a lot of support in the academy because God knows they love a freaking war movie, no matter how many times they've seen the exact same one. Uh, yeah, that little run was crazy. Also, yeah. I was super disappointed that it won best uh, foreign film because it was not to me not the best foreign film. Um, no. Which was one category I actually saw all the movies. Yeah. <laughs> um, the only ones I didn't see like two of the best picture nominees, but I saw all of the best foreign film nominees, and I thought 
Close and The Quiet Girl were my two favorites. Yeah. Out of the nominees. Yeah. And um, shout out to the RRR folks for winning Best Song because that was yeah. a fantastic song and performance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Why and they, and wasn't they... Banshees of Insurance a foreign film? Uh, <laughs> right, because because it had its uh, the subtitles on a fair bit too. <laughs> <laughs> but it's a. Is it, like it's foreign to me. No, wouldn't it be? No, I mean I think because no, the Quiet Girl is actually in Gaelic. Uh, so that's why the Quiet Girl is an Irish movie that's nominated in that category, whereas Banshees is is still in English. And that's the thing that that makes it eligible for the category is that it's not in English. Essentially, yeah. Like there, I, I, I don't think there's ever been a time that there's been an English language movie nominated in the international film category. Interesting. Yeah. I didn't know that I, it hinged on language. Yeah, I think it does. I think there's like a there's there might even be a percentage that like there were like X percent of the spoken dialogue in the film is of a is of a, a language other than English or something like that. Um, because otherwise, it would just be British movies winning every year. Oh, yeah. uh, so. Uh, but yeah, so that's that's I think why Banshees did not. Banshees, of course, is one of the sad shutouts of the night. Uh, mm. Lots of movies got shut out because it was such a huge sweep between everything and All Quiet. It was like <laughs> pretty much every award, and The Whale somehow winning too. Uh, which, if everyone has not read Lindy West's uh, essay for the Guardian about The Whale, I highly recommend it. Uh, as well as her much less reverent version of the same essay that she has in her substack. Uh, it is just uh, the takedown that that movie deserves. Uh, yeah, also, uh, Roxane Gay did a great piece on it right. for the New York Times, too. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah, I mean, like, so many people have come forward to explain why this movie is abominable, and yet it's still won two Academy Awards. So that is a bummer. And Lindy West also even pointed out, she was like, this this fat suit literally doesn't even look good. Like, it doesn't even look like a good fat suit. She's like, the way it hangs on his body just looks wrong and weird and not the way bodies look like. So I don't know why this, even the fat suit is getting acclaim and awards. It's insane. Um, so that aside, another Oscars in the books. Um, and uh, I don't know if any of the three movies that we are about to review will be nominated next year, but who knows? <laughs> <laughs> also, last uh, thing on the Oscars, they need to hire. We need to get out of the late night white man uh, bag for yeah. post. Yeah. That's the last thing I'll say. <laughs> I have my favorites that I want to host, but ooh, who we don't we don't need no more of the late nights yeah. on there. Actually, I mean, what if it's what, Amber Ruffin? That's what I was going to say. I was right. going to say, but Amber Ruffin, I would actually like to see. She's on my list. Um, Hassan Minhaj is like my number one. Uh, mm. That's personally just because I love Hassan. But I think the years Mulaney and Crow hosted the Spirit Awards were hilarious mm. to me. Like, I still go back and watch mm. their opening montages, and those are just great. Um, Amber Ruffin is my other choice. And then... I don't know if y'all have ever seen Jamie Foxx host, but he did the ESPYs for a few years, and I believe mm -hmm. he did the BET Awards, I want to say, one year maybe. But he's a great host, and I think he's also very funny. He knows a lot of the folks. Like, Jamie Foxx is super mixy in Hollywood, so, like, he knows hella the people, right. you know? Like, I think he would do a great job. Um, yeah, his, his S the years he hosted the ESPYs were fantastic. Well, you know, um, who, you know who attended a taping of the Amber Robin <clears throat> show? Oh, me. Oh, nice. Yeah, it was the that Christmas was special. It was wonderful. 
That's what's up. Honestly, <laughs> my dream team would be DeSimero, but that's never going to happen. All right. Yeah. That's uh, <laughs> that's right. That may have, we may have lost our chance at that. Yeah. Uh, and here's where Rebecca says that she also has a text from me saying, can't wait to see my girl Jimmy Kimmel kill tonight. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I just hope next year it's Jimmy Fallon and the year after that, Colbert. Uh, oh God, can you imagine if it was Jimmy you know, Fallon? Herself, I don't think would be a bad idea. I think she would kill it. Yeah. Look, yeah. just have Shakira and Bizarrap do it. <laughs> I did have to watch Jimmy Fallon to watch that video a thousand times and it was worth it because Jimmy Fallon's not in the video but oh that's a plus very good um, very good late night segment performance ahead well, sh- well, shall we yeah um, let's get into the first movie in our Jonathan Major sandwich uh, which is <laughs> Creed 3 Still dominating the boxing world, Adonis Creed is thriving in his career and family life. When Damien, a childhood friend and former boxing prodigy, resurfaces after serving time in prison, he's eager to prove that he deserves his shot in the ring. The face-off between former friends is more than just a fight. To settle the score, Adonis must to settle the score, Adonis must put his future on the line to battle Damien, a fighter who has nothing to lose. Creed. Screed nine. That's right. <laughs> uh, shocker. I have a lot to say about three thirty. Uh, um, all spoilers. Oh. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> we have to. We have to. Wait, you saw it, right, Rebecca? Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, I'm just saying, like, if you haven't seen the movie, I, I, I plan oh, on talking yeah, yeah, about yeah. how it ends. All spoilers. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah, I loved it. I'm not gonna lie, I loved Creed three. What did y'all think about it? It was not my favorite Creed. Um, I I love Creed. I've seen Creed, the first one, maybe like six times. Um, the second one I've only seen twice. and I, I watched both of them right before seeing Creed 3. It's my least favorite Creed, I will Ooh. say. I think one is take, by far the best still. I think one is the best. Yeah, oh, yeah. I, I will agree with that. I think one is the best. For me, it's one, three, and two. Yeah, hmm. I, w- I would concur. Uh, I, I had not seen <clears throat> the second one until uh, we decided we were going to review Creed 3 on the show this week. And so I watched it like Tuesday night and then went and saw the third one Wednesday night. And the second one, like I read the Wikipedia synopsis of the first one to refresh my memory of what happened in that one. And I'm like, OK, right, 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 right. And then watching the second one, I was just so uh, kind of bummed out by it. Because I was like, oh, man, this movie kind of lost what made it so special in the first one. And now it just feels like a generic fathers and sons sport movie um, without any of the sort of just like the character and detail and authenticity that made the first one just like stand out like this, like this oasis uh, on like the sort of like the sport movie franchise horizon. Um, although I would have watched the second one a lot sooner had anybody told me that Brigitte Nielsen was in it. But <laughs> that's a different thing. <laughs> Uh, I was like, no one, no one thought to tell me that Brigitte Nielsen reprises her role. Uh, so, but whereas this third one, um, kind of like right off the bat, I started to just have like the vibe that just felt more, more similar to the first movie. And as it progressed, um, I was just like, yeah, this feels like I kept, I keep seeing it put this way. This is the sequel the first movie deserved. Um, 
and I, I am aligned with with that uh, that take on it. Yeah, I thought. Um, yeah. So the second one, I think it was like since um, Sylvester Stallone is no longer in the movies, it was like this big tribute to the Rocky series. And now we're ending that era and going mm-hmm. fully into the Adonis Creed era of movies. Right. So I think that's also why the third one felt more like the first one, because the first one was such a Philly film. Like you had Ryan Coogler mm-hmm. doing like them doing Willies with the bikes, which is a super like Philly thing and the music and everything about it, you know, um, Tessa Thompson's character and her saying John and them getting mm-hmm. like, it was very much that vibe to where now fast forward to the third one, you're fully in Adonis mode in LA, right? So there's hella right. Nipsey hustle in the movie. There's Jonathan Majors with the terrible LA accent um, that he does <laughs> in the film. And I'll get more into that later, but um, <laughs> in even the music, right? Like you have mm. uh, Dr. Dre playing, like it's very, even the, you know, the scenes of the city that they shoot, it's very much, we're fully into the LA Adonis mode now. And so I think that's why it harkens back a little bit to the first one. Cause it feels very much like that. I will say the one thing I did like about the second one is, um, so Stephen Cobble Jr. is the one who directed the second one. And I really like the way he directs action. So I did mm-hmm. really like his um, shots in the ring. And I really loved his training scenes um, in that movie. Mm-hmm. I think the, the movie. Oh, the second go to the movie, desert? Yes. Uh, that. Mm-hmm. And then even the stuff with uh, like Drago Jr. Like I loved um, like all of those scenes. And he's actually, I found out when I was watching Scream that he's directing the new Transformers. And I said, oh, now yeah. I got to. Now I gotta watch an opening weekend. This is a black movie. Like this, a, this is a black movie. I was like, I not Stephen Capo, and then Dominique Fishback, and then you got Bruh uh, from Hamilton. I said, oh, right. now I gotta see it first weekend. Like right. I gotta see opening weekend. Um, but Ramos. anyway, yeah. right? Anthony Ramos. I was about to call him Mars because um, he played <laughs> Mars, and she's got having. But um, so I really, I really did like Creed three. Saying all that to say, I did really like Creed three. One of my favorite things about the Creed movies in general is that I, and this has been since the first movie, I really love how they hone in on the spectacle that is boxing. Like, let's just Mm. be real, like Creed and Rocky movies in general are just very absurd, right? When it comes to like, (laughs) when it comes to like (laughs) the spectacle of boxing in the movies, right? It's at the end of the day, yes, it's about a sport, but it's also a movie, right? It's here, to, it's here for entertainment. But I think, you know, the the spectacle that is like the walks to the ring, I think oh, they've yeah. done such a great job. Which modern boxers have, re- modern day boxers have really um, perfected that, like almost as an art form, is like this walk to the ring and the spectacle around it. And I thought Creed Three did a fantastic job. The Mexican boxer that comes out. And that scene with him with like the mask and oh, like yeah. the skulls and the two women next to him, that was fire. Like I really think, and then my favorite one from the first one is still when Adonis comes out to Hail Mary by Tupac. That still gives me chills <laughs> to this day when I think about it. But I think, um, yeah, one, two, and three, they all do a really good job at that and like just showing you know, how big of a deal these things are. And even if you're not into boxing and you can't catch, like, they do a good job of, like, putting little tidbits in there for folks who do watch the sports. And then also still making it entertaining if you have no idea who these people are on the screen or, like, um, 
you know, I think Max Kellerman was in the first two. He's a, you know, a sports announcer. He wasn't in the mm. third one, which I was a little disappointed by. <laughs> um, but he wasn't in the, um, you know, he wasn't in this new one. And then they have like uh, Tony Weeks, who is like a really famous boxing referee. And so he's in the newest movie. Um, and so they have like Canelo Alvarez, who was on the red carpet. So like they throw in all of these things. It's like they connect it to like, boxing fans but also it's like they the youth can still enjoy the spectacle even if you don't watch boxing and i've always and loved that about creed movies they also did in this one um in the first one they did it with hbo and this time they did it with showtime they sort of like explain yeah. what's or like move the plot forward with these mm-hmm. with the um, the tv shows and the the kind of behind the the scenes they use it as mm-hmm. like the device to like tell you what's going on mm-hmm. um i do think for the spectacle i was a little disappointed that um uh, pretty ricky conlon didn't have his like weird <laughs> irish thug group that he had the first <laughs> the first movie yeah um, he got like a new, new, new support staff and, um, they're a little more tame. Um, it felt like it's hilarious. <laughs> they don't look like an Irish motorcycle gang anymore. And that I found that disappointing. Yeah. I, I like that. I like that they brought him back in the movie. So yeah, that's probably why Max wasn't in it. Cause Max Kellerman, I think is still with HBO. And so since they did mm. Showtime and I think dance, which is like the streaming pay-per-view, uh, little streaming service that they did the other boxing match for. So, yeah, I think that's probably why he wasn't in it. But, yeah, it was, yeah, uh, you said you love Pretty Ricky Collin. That's hilarious. Yeah, he, they, I like that they brought those folks back. And then they brought Drag Baby, Baby Drago was in it. Oh, my again. God, they're, like, friends now? Right, 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 right. right, right. Yeah. So I did love so, that. Um, that, was a, that was a gag to me since I had just watched the second right. one before. I'm just like, oh, <laughs> Someone with like, the therapy. Oh, I know. I'm like, my eyes yeah, are peeled. I'm like, is Virgie at this party too? Right. Yeah. <laughs> Look, if Virgie was at the party, the fight would have never broke out. <laughs> that's true. That's very she true. Been in the mix. Yeah, no, that's very true. And I, I have no, you know, frame of reference for any of the real life sports people in these movies. But that, that talk show that Adonis goes on to announce that he's going against Dame when like Dame calls in. I was like, is this real? Because this feels like Bravo level petty drama. Oh, He's just like, oh. the host is so messy. He's so messy right away. He was like, you don't even so. know Steven. Okay. He's like, say right. the thing. Yeah. Are you doing it? And then they're like, let's take a call from Dame to talk right. shit to your face and let's fight. I'm just like, this is like, this is like the real housewives. Like, this is literally the housewives. Um, morning sports shows. Yeah, they are very <laughs> much the real housewives. Um, uh, the sports commentary, it's all about the drama. I mean, I will say for Stephen A's sake, like there is some real life commentary that happens. And so they definitely played it up for the movie. Um, mm. But it's entertainment. Like a lot of the morning times talk shows definitely hinge a lot more on the entertainment factor. And Stephen A is always yelling, which is like his signature at this point. <laughs> but um, yeah, you, you hit the nail on the head. The morning time uh, <laughs> sports talk shows are definitely the drama. Of this of the sports uh, talk world. <laughs> so all, all just all just random observation before I, it goes out of my mind. Uh, and and we I don't think we've explicitly said this yet, but you know this is Michael B. Jordan's directorial debut. Yes. Uh, and which right. is it's it's remarkable. Um, you know, and then we can we can talk about some of the things that he did that were definitely first time director kind of indulgent yeah. things. Um, but did anyone else notice that like it took like over an hour for them to show like the same room in his mansion twice. 
every every single scene <laughs> yes. in that mansion was in a whole new crazy ass room where you're like, what is this house he lives in? We haven't seen the same room twice, and the half the movie is taking place in it. Right. Uh, it was it was so it was such like real estate porn. Um, they said we paid I mean, a lot of money for this. Y'all finna see the bathroom. <laughs> yeah. Y'all finna see the porch, <laughs> the driveway, the kitchen, <laughs> the view. Just the view. <laughs> they really, really got their the maximum possible mileage out of that amazing house. Uh, but uh, but yeah, it was and just being as like an LA movie, like I watched this great documentary a few months ago called Los Angeles Plays Itself, which is all about sort of the history of LA as like the a filming location. Uh, because, you know, there's a city of L.A. itself, and then there's how L.A. gets used in movies and how it gets characterized and what the mythology is, which usually has nothing to do with the actual city. Um, so now when I'm watching movies set in L.A., I'm always kind of, like, watching for those kinds of details and for how it's being framed and positioned. And I thought this movie was pretty accurate and honest in its depiction of L.A. It really didn't, like, present some sort of, like, fantasy version of the city. I feel like it really seemed to have a pretty clear understanding uh, just geographically and culturally, these different elements of it that were sort of like being brought together by this story. Uh, but uh, but Rebecca, I just want to make sure you have a chance to, you know, I know you, so you were not as crazy about this movie. What, what were the what were the elements of it that you thought did not work as well as the as the first two? Uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, to say that it's like my least favorite Creed movie is still saying that it is like a wonderful movie and I will definitely watch it again. Um, it's just, you know there are three and there's going to have to be a worse one. And to me, it's this one. And it's basically for one reason. And I, I do want to talk about it because maybe, um, maybe y'all can shift my perspective here a little bit, but I just, the way it ended, the way that we resolved the conflict of the film does not sit well with me. I feel like he, like Adonis should have let Damien win. Damien should have won that fight. That's it. That's mm -hmm. my beef. Okay, Jason, I think you have similar. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I agree uh, that the, the that his win at the end felt that the uh, that that Donis's win at the end felt very hollow. Um, it felt like the whole movie was like it's living. It's sitting in this space of such tension um, and sort of ambiguity because like he, you know, Dame is not like this sort of thinly written, like, villain Drago character. You know, like, we understand the complexity of Donnie and Dame's relationship. And, like, we understand uh, Donnie's complicity in, in in what happened to Dame and what how, what happened for his, the previous, what, 18 years of his life that he spent away. Um, so I, I do feel like, after spending, and granted, of course, they, you know, Dame pivots midway through the movie into being a bit more openly villainous. Um, and then I think the movie does start to, you know, uh, uh, you know, get a little bit more narrow minded around that around that point and starts to go away from the ambiguity into a bit more sort of two dimensional uh, characterization. But still, like it's understandable why Dame is reacting the way he is to, you know, to, to everything that's happening around him. So I felt like it was all just so rich and character driven. And then to have it be reduced to just like, even like the shot of just like Dame opening his arms and then Donnie punching through and knocking him out or whatever. 
And then that sort of, you know, then, 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 you know, they're forgive, live and let live chat, you know, chat afterward in the, in the, you know, um, locker room. It felt a little pat. It felt a little pat. It did. Um, for me, it didn't, it wasn't enough to make the movie, uh, as a whole less than Creed two, uh, because I felt there was still just so much of that, just rich character driven stuff that I was missing in the second time. Uh, but yeah, I, I am in agreement that the ending is, is lame. Um, and that it, it, it felt like, you know, it was, it was just not the ending that the complexity of the story and the characters deserved. Um, uh, but yeah, that's, that's, that's my take on it. But yeah, I know, I know actually we, we did talk about this. Yeah. I mean, for me, I didn't feel that way. And I think it was for the reason that I don't know. I know in recent interviews, Michael B. Jordan has said, oh yeah, we can make four, we can make five, we can make six. But I don't know if they went into this movie thinking that. So to me, it felt like a good ending to the series. Um, and to me, I think that might be why they did. Again, I would have to do more research on if they always planned on doing more creeds, but to me, it felt like an ending ending. Um, <laughs> and so I kind of got why they did that. Um, just coming from that particular perspective, I think they've already greenlit Creed 4, if I'm not mistaken. So oh, nice. obviously there's going to be more. At least that's what I think I've seen. I'm not 100%, but I'm pretty sure they have. Um, but yeah, I think um, at least they've already started talking about it, like I said, in interviews and stuff. But um, to me, that's what it felt like. Yeah, it wasn't, I didn't really feel that way. I kind of, for me, yeah, we saw why, like, Dame had, you know, the attitude he had. But also, I was like, no, he wrote it, you know, his mouth wrote a check, his ass couldn't cash. <laughs> like, he was out here acting a fucking fool. And uh, Donnie really was, that is my clock. I'm an old lady, so forgive me. Um, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I always forget until I'm, like, on the phone with other people. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's my clock. Uh, <laughs> but... Um, like Donnie, I thought was really patient. I, and I did like that arc too, like Donnie's sort of relationship with Dame and how he was very hesitant of like turning on him really quickly, you know, with, um, I was about to say Avon Barksdale, uh, Wood Harris. <laughs> right, Avon, <laughs> uh, exactly. Wood Harris, uh, you know, telling him, you know, his wife telling him, his mom telling him, and then, you know, he's finally like coming around to it. And I think the Stephen A clip is actually a very, um, specific point where Donnie is like, oh, now I have to beat your ass. Because now now, now we're John Wick mode. Now you've been respectful to no return. And now, mm-hmm. now I have to turn up. Because at first, I was like, I'm just going to fight you. Now I have to beat your ass. Like, <laughs> now, <laughs> now you went too far. This is national television. This ain't the beach. Like, this is it's millions of people watching this. And now, now it has to end the way it has to end. So for me, the buildup I felt was appropriate to Adonis winning. I can see how it felt like, oh, a little tidy, a little too tidy, a little too much. Because um, we have seen Adonis lose fights in previous movies. So it's not like right. they're super against it. Um, but I, I mean, I liked it. Um, as you can see, I'm very passionate about why Donnie winning. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I didn't mind it. I didn't mind it. I thought, I thought, I, again, I thought the buildup was appropriate to that ending. Um, I will say the other part of the ending that I liked in integrated into the rest of the film too, was his relationship with his daughter. Mm. Um, and one, I really love that they, um, hired a deaf actor to play a deaf character. I really, really hate when they don't do that. <laughs> um, and I think even since Coda, 
we've made bigger strides on that. I know The Last of Us, you know, hired deaf actor to play a deaf kid as well. Um, and then we're starting to see it a lot more. And the John Wick actually reminded me of this because in John Wick, I believe, two, Ruby Rose is playing a deaf character very terribly. <laughs> and in her in her defense, that's the only way she knows how to play any character. Right, right. But it was like the mouth wasn't moving. There was no emotion. You know, when she when uh, Ruby Rose was talking, and I'm like, this is not good. So I will say I did like that in the ending of him and his daughter in the ring. Like it was very cute to me. Um, and we're we're gonna have um, uh, the actress who is in was in Hawkeye who played. Um, she's. Also deaf, she'll be playing in the spin-off series Echo. Nice. Yeah. Oh, That's cool. what's up. Yeah. Which so I like, feel like there's a potential there for some fighting crossover situation. You know, mm. cinematic universes melding. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. I mean, yeah. even in the Eternals, right? Like the right. character right. in the Eternals. Um, and so, yeah, I, I just love to see it. Like, I love people from the experience actually playing the actual folks in the movies from those <laughs> from those lived experiences. Like, it just makes sense. And there's no reason to not be doing that again in 2023. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, I, I mean, I can go more into detail why I loved it. But, yeah, <laughs> I think. Uh, <laughs> so I, I do want to hear it. Yeah. But I want to hit your point about, um, you know, this is kind of what we talked about in, in the car on the way home from the movie as well. I mean, Soul was like, they couldn't end the Creed movie with him losing. And, mm-hmm. um, and it's, it's, it is tough to see like where it's going to go next because mm-hmm. it seems like he can't really fight anymore. You know, he's, this was kind of like the last hurrah. So I think that makes a lot of sense, but even to kind of what Jason was talking about earlier with, um, the mansion, like they do such a good job of showing you exactly how wealthy he is and exactly mm-hmm. what he has. Um, that for it to end with him coming out on top again, mm-hmm. um, again, like, I mean, th- this also could have been handled way worse. Like mm-hmm. he does, <laughs> he does do some, you know, work on himself eventually. Um, after his, also, I was, I don't think anyone's ever prepared for Felicia Rashad to, <laughs> to die. Right. America's mom. Um, I, yeah, that was a, that was a, I cried a lot during that scene. Um, but, uh, you know, so yeah, Adonis did some work on himself and that conversation about like it not being either of their faults was good. Um, but it just, it's like, and he's going to go back to all of this. I don't know. I wish they had maybe just flushed out that talk more or you could have seen them reconcile to where, I don't know, Dame gets something. There's something like, for him at the end of this. But I think it's kind of alluded to, right? Like we don't see it, but I think right after that win, like Dame is literally in like a penthouse apartment. Uh, <laughs> like that's oh, what right, he's calling yeah. from the new penthouse when he calling. Oh, right. Yeah. Sure. I mean, cause he became the champion, right? Again, it's fiction. So like he beat the champion, he became the champion and sort of like an overnight success. Right. And so um, there's, you know, he has like a whole little team now and who knows what happened, right? I'm sure he's going to be in the next one. Him and Michael B. Jordan are like besties now. So <laughs> I'm sure where this isn't the last we've seen of Dame. Um, but to your point, that's actually one thing I really loved about the movie, uh, also is that them showing of Michael B. Jordan's wealth, even the way he dressed, which was one of my absolute favorite, if not my favorite parts of the film, um, <laughs> was actually very realistic. Like, not MMA fighters, but like 
boxers, if you do it right, like make a shit ton of money, especially in this landscape of like pay-per-view and getting all these deals and athletes in general. Um, and now you can make, I mean, Floyd Mayweather, literally Floyd Mayweather, <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like it's, it is the lifestyle, yeah. like he, the way he dressed in the movie, which is actually very like on his off days, we had the little blazer over the hoodie very boxer like very athlete very athlete him driving what was that a rolls royce truck he was driving around like it was very realistic and like the liz wolf i had to look up who did the costume it was liz wolf of course there's a team of folks i'm sure but she's listed as the um Mm -hmm. costume designer of the film and i thought she did a fantastic every suit adonis wore i was like me and my friend were going crazy in the theater. I was like, this is a fucking suit, bro. <laughs> like, <laughs> the, the monochromatic blue joint, all of them Ralph oh, Lauren, yeah. by the way. So the Ralph Lauren, they do show his Ralph Lauren campaign in the movie. Um, and so all the suits actually were Ralph Lauren. I had to look that up, too. Oh. Amazing. Immaculate. Immaculate. Like, that, yes, because he's flashy. He's a boxer. Adonis in personality is not more like that, but when he turns it on for Adonis Creed in the ring, that's who he is. And I thought they did a fantastic job of showing that through his wardrobe and like through his house and his car and all of that stuff. Because we don't see it in his everyday personality. They've been killing it at wardrobe since the first one. The amount of uh, Nike athletic clothing I bought after Creed (laughs) won, the like the gray zip up with the like little structured neck. Are you kidding me? (laughs) I went all out. All out. Um, They they have been paying attention to that since the beginning. The movies always feel so um, comfortably luxurious. Yes effortlessly luxurious and yeah they did not uh fail this time either like even just like the having the housekeepers there for them having like one person over right um just gorgeous also i really like that they that just the scene of of dame uh talking to uh tessa thompson's character and like asking Mm -hmm. her about her life and her situation and her art um just how she always, you know, stays in the movies as like a separate professional with like her own situation going on is is so great. Yeah, yeah, I was I was thinking about that as well. I <clears throat> I appreciate that they continue to give her sort of like her own separate arc, which I'm sure is intentional, and I'm sure I'm sure she also has input on you know how she wants her character to be developed and and to have her own separate thing happening in the movie so that she doesn't become just sort of like a you know, just sort of like the wife and mother in the background, you know, sitting at the fights and everything. And 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 I, I truly did. I, I was so relieved, just circling back to the subject of the daughter, I was so relieved when the 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 scenes with her started in the beginning and that, that she was, that they were signing and, you know, that they hadn't like had some sort of miraculous thing happen between the movies where, oh, just, you know, oh, we fixed it. Or, you know, right. oh, it turns out, yeah. you know, if you, oh, that was just when she was born, uh, you know, it's all good. Um, because, you know, that was one thing that I did appreciate about the second movie because, you know, that it went to that place, you know, with, with their daughter. Um, you know, I thought that that was, that was really, you know, bold and sensitively handled. And, uh, and I, I really appreciate that they have had sort of the courage of their conviction in the third one with how they handle, you know, that character and, and that actress is just too adorable. Too 
adorable. And the, the school scene is one of the most memorable oh, yeah. scenes for me. And the movie when Donnie is like <clears throat> trying almost going off on the <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> Like, well, we should hit her, <laughs> you know. Like, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, so I, I did, I did love that, and I, I agree. I did, I do, while I do love the additions of Tessa and even Felicia Rashad, and in the movie, I do think we could have went a tiny bit further with their story arcs, uh, especially Tessa's. Like, I wish we would have got a tiny bit more of the conversation between her and Donnie, maybe, you know, after the funeral, I know they had a conversation like in the house or whatever. I wish it would have just went a little bit further. So we could have got at least a tiny bit more closure on them and their communication issues that they've had literally yeah. since the first movie. So I do wish that we could have expanded on that a little bit. And, um, so that was one thing that, you know, I wish the the film would have did more, but also I do understand like why we're here, right? Like we're here to see the fights. <laughs> um, and, then, <laughs> and then another thing, uh, speaking of the women of the film, and this is just the issue I think in film in general, um, is I wish there were more, uh, was more vis- visibility for dark skinned black women in the film. I think even when, you know, Tessa and the daughter obviously are lighter skinned, Felicia Rashad is lighter skinned, and then all of most of the women that were around Dame, even in his scenes, were also lighter skinned. And so I wish we just did better on that because obviously we don't have a problem with casting, you know, brown skin or dark skinned black men. But, as, you know, because of colorism, we don't always get to see the same with the female characters. And so I just wish that was a little bit more prevalent as well. Maybe they'll do it in other films, but I think if we're going to have, and I do think Kehlani being in the film was a missed opportunity for that as well. We could have easily had Jasmine Sullivan, Mm -hmm. who's from Philly, Mm -hmm. like (laughs) be in the, in the film, um, or even somebody from California, you know, we could have had her, you know, who's from NorCal sing the song. I mean, there's, there's a bunch of other singers out there who I felt like I did feel like that was a missed opportunity, even with Kehlani being in the movie. So, um, yeah, that was, those are my two. And then, I will say the other thing I didn't like is Jonathan Major's accent, which is probably my least favorite thing in the movie. Jason's uh, doing his uh, Abba Elementary moment where he's Googling who Jasmine Sullivan is. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Although we just watched the episode last night and we were like, he would know who Lee Daniels was. Uh, <laughs> we're like, there was no way he wouldn't. Of course, and Scott and I are watching like on New York Upside on the White Guy's behalf. Uh, like, how dare they suggest he wouldn't know Lee Daniels or Jasmine Sullivan? Uh, but no, I will admit, I, I, I recognize Kilani only because she was on the L Word Gen Q this past season. <laughs> right, right, right. Yes. So I was like, oh, from L Word. Kilani from the Bay, Jason. You don't know who. <laughs> I would, I wouldn't. I only recognized her because of L Word. I, 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 I know her name and her music, but I only knew what she looked like. I'm like, oh yeah, she fucked Shane. Uh, so. <laughs> that's hilarious. Um, that's crazy. Yeah, but I, I do want to talk a little bit about Jonathan Major's accent, if I can. <laughs> yes, please. <laughs> Not now, when. So exactly. So when he got out of jail and I maybe have to watch it again, but he did not have a strong L.A. accent when he got out of jail. And maybe that was just me tripping. But it did. One, the L.A. accent was going in and now depending on the scene. And then two. So I don't think he nailed it overall. Two, I think he was struggling finding a midpoint between like going super snowfall and like and then like talking like in his own version of that so like he gradually got more and more and more like 
towards what I would call like the snowfall LA accent <laughs> and the more you got into the movie. And I get that was a part of the character, but also I was like, this is going all over the place for me. And I remember texting Jason like yeah. about the accent and I literally had to, I sent Jason examples of what I meant by like, <laughs> yes. Yes, like she did. LA accent mm-hmm. that black people in LA have and black and brown people in LA have white people don't have that same accent and so it's like if you're thinking about y'all watch uh abbott elementary vince staples his accent is very Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. he's from long beach he has a very uh there's a rapper named dom kennedy who i think of when i think of like these are like modern examples and of course nipsey hustle if you've ever heard nipsey hustle's music like he also has a very la accent um and those again those are three like very modern day but even snoop like if you listen more so like his older stuff he still has a little bit of LA accent but like a lot of Snoop older stuff is like he has a very LA accent and so like I wish and then again not everybody just like not everybody in the Bay sounds like Marshawn Lynch and Ryan Coogler (laughs) not everybody in (laughs) LA sounds like Nipsey Hussle so I kind of just wish like Adonis doesn't have that right and he grew up Mm. in LA so I wish that Jonathan just would have talked in his own voice um, and that would have been less distracting for me. But I was like, what is going on? Because people love to do like a parody of that <laughs> accent. <a> lot, <laughs> like when they talk about like, they're like, hey, cuz, what you, and I'm like, that is not how. <laughs> and I felt like that's what Jonathan Majors was kind of doing, was more of a parody of it or what he thought it was rather than just kind of just like, I was like, bro, just talk regular. Like this, <laughs> this, 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 this all over the place. This ain't working out. So that, was very distracting for me again most people probably didn't notice it if you're not familiar with it but I was like this is even my friend was like was he trying to do a Ryan Coogler impression <laughs> he was like what was, what was he trying to do and we're both from the bay and we were like that was crazy like, no, that was insane so it was very distracting for sure at least for me and that was again my least favorite part of the movie was him trying to do whatever that was yeah 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 no i uh, it was it was uh, an illuminating instagram exchange uh between ashley and myself <laughs> and she sent me sent me the examples because i sent her one that i get dipsy hustle and dom kennedy video <laughs> exactly. this is what i'm talking about it's like thank you thank you <laughs> okay do we have any other any other closing thoughts in creed three are we ready to rate it Ooh, um, I mean, I'm excited. I'm excited for Creed Four. I cannot <laughs> wait to see what they're gonna do. Um, yeah, I need to watch it again. You know, it's not it's not fair to have only watched this one once. Um, oh. I feel like I rewatched the second one, and I remember um, originally thinking, I mean, it's it's hard. It's hard when it's like I don't know. Creed is it, it's got to be one of my favorite movies, and. Every time you have, you know, as we're going to do three sequels today, every time you have one, it's like it fills you with anxiety. You know, you're like, is it going to be as am I going to love it as much as I love the first one? And so I think the second one, I was like, this isn't Creed one. Um, But then I watched it again and I I did find actually a little bit more nuance in the in the relationship between Drago and his dad. And and I think I'll watch this one again and I'll I'll chill on it a little bit. But. Um, I'll, I'll, it's, it's, of course it's a binge it. Yeah, it's a binge it for me too. I loved it. And I did want to say, uh, Michael B. Jordan, great, fantastic debut. 
um, as a director. I think, again, there were some spots, specifically in that last uh, match, where I was like, yeah. okay, you're doing a lot here. Um, <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> you know, and he, he did explain, like, you know, he loves anime, so there was a lot of just, you mm-hmm. know, over-the-top mm-hmm. animation and slow motion in, involved in it. And so... Um, I got it, but also I was like, "Yeah, let me let me see your third movie, and then we can we can we can <laughs> we can see what you talk about." But I thought it, for a debut and for a movie that you're in, that has to be yeah. difficult. So, um, shout out to him. I, I loved it. It's a binge, it and yeah, I think this was a fantastic debut for him as a director. Yeah, binge it for me as well. So we have a triple binge. Yeah, and it it also is such a like. With like Sylvester Stallone writing on Rocky and with Michael B. Jordan directing on Creed, it feels like that those passions for the project come through in the project. Right. You know, you you feel you feel the connection that that these folks have to this these these movies and um just just love them. Oh, for sure. And I will say this: every time I see Michael B. Jordan on the screen, especially in these. Ryan Coogler um, legacy films is what they are at this point. He mm. needs to be sending Ryan Coogler the best Christmas presents in the entire <laughs> every single year. Because yeah. if it wasn't for this duo that we have of Ryan Coogler putting Michael B. Jordan in every single thing he, he he's mm. ever done, Michael, yeah. we wouldn't know Michael B. Jordan as the actor that we know him as today and now as the director we know him as. So shout out to the Bay Area's on Ryan Coogler because <laughs> now we have a Creed series. <laughs> <laughs> for sure. Rebecca's That's true. favorite movie series. Yeah. <laughs> Not going to lie. We... um. We just got some stuff for a home gym and I was like shopping for posters to put on the wall. And so I had filled my cart with like all the Creed movie posters. And then I put in the tar movie poster, (laughs) (laughs) send a screenshot of the cart to Seoul to be like, okay, I'm ready to decorate the gym. (laughs) Nothing like an abuser to get me going in the gym. I did not want to beat my ass. So let me get like, you know, she must be in the same fighting shape Lydia Tar was when she tackled that guy off the podium. <laughs> <laughs> when I want to run away from a woman screaming, uh, I need right? to be in tip-top shape. Exactly. If you have some some hellhound chasing you through an abandoned building, get get your heart rate up. Right. Yes. Uh, um. Okay. Movie number two is Scream Six. So many numbers. Um, oh, and I hear even more. Four survivors of the Ghostface murderers leave Woodboro behind for a fresh start in New York City. However, they soon find themselves in a fight for their lives when a new killer embarks on a bloody rampage. Um, I feel like I'm going to need to take a backseat to this one because I did not understand what the hell was going on and I couldn't care less. I, I did see I am, it. Well, I, I am not, well, did you see it? I you know see less than too? I did. Oh, okay. So, so you did not watch Scream Five. You just went into Scream Six. I don't know what the last Scream I saw was. I definitely saw the first one, mm-hmm. <laughs> and that may have been the only one. Yeah. Well, okay. Well, I did my my Creed homework. Uh, just, <laughs> oh just come saying. on. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I made saying. you watch hours of shirtless ripped <laughs> Michael B. Jordan. <laughs> And Listen. look at luxury houses and listen to great music. 
I can I can look at Michael B. Jordan shirtless online anytime I want. I don't need to watch a father and son sports movie to to see it. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, no, I mean, I, I am, I am a huge screen person. Um, so yeah, the reason this made no sense to you is because the last, the previous movie, Scream 5 was like a full, as they tried to explain, it was like a reboot slash requel or whatever the whole terminology is. So, um, yeah, the previous movie kind of, uh, decided to introduce a whole new sort of core cast of characters and also immediately started to sort of change the rules as they were implemented. For example, in Scream 5, the opening uh, girl, uh, which, you know, the first four movies, the first person you see gets killed right away. Uh, in Scream 5, the opening girl was Jenna Ortega. Uh, and she is brutally attacked and, and attempted to be killed, uh, but she actually survives. So right off the bat, Scream 5 was kind of changing the approach to sort of this well-worn uh, approach that all of the previous films had taken. Um so Scream 5 kind of, you know, introduced, yeah, just this core cast of characters you mean in this movie. So it makes sense that you were just like, what even is happening? And also, this is the very first Scream film to not have Nev Campbell as Sidney Prescott, uh, you know, due to the fairly public dust up that she had over um, them not willing to you know, pay her what she deserves, which, I mean, if you're going mean, to whatever Nev Campbell is asking for to come back for a Scream movie, you give Nev Campbell that money. I mean, she is the, the heart of the franchise and always has been. Um, so hopefully, um, eventually they'll be able to pay her, uh, uh, <laughs> what she's asking and bring her back. Although this movie did give a line of dialogue to Courtney Cox as Gail, as the last surviving, uh, cast member who's still in it from the previous version of the franchise that, you know, she was like, you know, Sydney deserves her happy ending or whatever. Um, so yeah, so essentially, uh, this movie follows that core cast of characters out of, you know, their hometown of Woodsboro and to New York for what's essentially um, more or less a, a, a remake of Scream 2, uh, because in Scream 2, also the characters leave Woodsboro and they go essentially to college. You know, Sydney goes to college uh, and she is and that's, you know, these kids are now sort of in New York going to school. Um, and Scott pointed this out. I didn't even think about it, but the Scream 2 finale also takes place in a theater um, and the finale of this one takes place in a theater. Uh, and, uh, and the killer in Scream 2 was the parent of somebody who had been killed in the previous movie because they were the killer. And that happens in this one as well. So uh, so it's basically them sort of, you know, paying homage to Scream 2 while also finding ways to subvert the formula. Because once again, the opening scene in this movie, you do get the opening girl killed. But then what happens with her killer is something that we've never seen before. Uh, so... This movie in general uh, is sort of getting a much more positive response than Scream 5 did um, because it just kind of has kind of overall, I would say it has better, more energetic uh, uh, sort of set pieces. The you know, it's getting a lot of positive ink spilled in favor of how long and scary the the sort of like the different you know it's hard to talk about these movies without sounding morbid basically the kill sequences are much like kind of longer and more scary than the previous movie had been um in particular the train sequence in the middle um you know is is one of the best examples of that uh you know the the ladder climbing part Although, of course, I mean, like these movies are still inherently ridiculous. Um, you know, we have these characters who get stabbed so, 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 so very many times and just bounce right back. Uh, for instance, the girlfriend character um, who doesn't make it across the ladder, she had <laughs> she had just been slit from her, st- her belly button to her she to her rib cage. Ankle to brain. 
Yeah. <laughs> and tries to climb over that damn yeah. ladder with her guts falling out. Right. I said, now what in the world? <laughs> also, at that point, bro was trying to get in the door so bad, she could have literally ran out the front door. I didn't understand why she was sitting <laughs> in that room for so long. That was crazy. Also, very on par for Scream, to your point. Right. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Uh, but you know the one thing that this 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 sort of new reboot of the franchise is doing interestingly in a way that the previous ones have not is to actually preserve this core group of friends um, that are actually peer friends from movie to movie um, because in the original Scream series it was always just Sydney because all Sydney's friends were dead by the end of every movie <laughs> every new person she would meet was dead by the end of the movie and it would just be down as just Sydney by herself again. The only person who survived from the first and the second was Randy, and then Randy died in the second one. And then from that point on, everybody would just die. Um, so I think this movie is really taking an interesting um, um, approach to being like focusing on this group of friends and these sisters. Um, and uh, and I think it's I think so far it's paying off because you get to sort of en- keep enjoying their chemistry as a group. As they, even though, however, <laughs> however much we see, especially uh, the two other siblings stabbed repeatedly in this movie um and still kind of come back ticking at the end uh yeah it just kind of just gives it a whole sort of new vitality in terms of this cast and what they bring to it um it is probably one of the worst of the screams in terms of the actual identity of the killers uh it is is one of those things where kind of like right off the bat you're like oh this this conspicuously cast actor is giving a weird performance um and then you're like oh okay yeah that's me <laughs> that makes him the killer um and you're like oh that this this supporting character uh was killed but we didn't actually see them getting killed right um i'm sure they're still alive oh no oh yeah oh yeah of course they're also in on it as well yep 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 um you know and there's also the <laughs> this is the first time that they've brought somebody back from just like a random sequel in this case it's hayden panettiere yes uh, who were with, that wig. with that wig uh, that was just my god um, Hayden Pantier was introduced in Scream 4 as the character Kirby Reed um, a name that when they thought of uh, in that script they for sure did not imagine that one day she they would have to say FBI Special Agent Kirby Reed uh, <laughs> because that doesn't just doesn't quite roll off the tongue um, Hayden Pantier and Dermot Mulroney both elicited much unintentional laughter at my screening of this movie. Uh, they are just kind of doing the most um, and also doing the least at the same time. But uh, but yeah, overall, I thought this was, in terms of what a screen movie sets out to do, I feel like this movie accomplished what it set out to do. Um, and, uh, it definitely, you know, yeah, strains credulity as it continues, uh, with all the characters getting stabbed repeatedly, but somehow surviving, but you know, it's a screen movie. Uh, realism has never really been their, their focus. So, uh, I will now step down (laughs) and and pass the mic. (laughs) Yeah, I agree. I thought it was decent. Um, I, so I, I'm looking at the screams now, and I definitely saw Scream 1. I saw Scream 2 at some point, but I don't remember it, and I haven't seen 3 or 4. I did watch 5 during my October scary month last year, <laughs> um, and so I did see that one. So I was familiar with these characters, 
um, and like the continuation of the story. Yeah, I, I did like it better than Scream 5. I'm looking at the first three posters and I forgot like David Arquette was in his weird mustache era for like the first three <laughs> movies and then he finally got the full goatee going and then he died. That's right. one thing that pissed me off about this movie is that everybody lived and Dewey died in the last movie off that stupid ass moment. Right. And I'm like, how did y'all take out Dewey but everybody lived getting stabbed 50 times in this movie? Like, that's crazy. <laughs> um, so that's the only thing I was pissed off about. And I was actually... When I bought my ticket, I was the only person in the theater, and then two people walked in, but I was like, I'm still finna watch this like I'm the only person in the theater. So, like, I was, like, commenting out loud. Like, I was in the beginning of the film, fake Margot Robbie is, like, the opening girl. And she at that bar. She got the cute outfit on. She went on, like, this online date. And this girl walked outside, started walking. I said, girl, like, out loud. <laughs> it was very much that so I enjoyed myself watching the movie and that made me like it because I was like I don't know if it was good but I really enjoyed watching it and I laughed a lot like you said I was laughing at Dylan also Scream 5 and Scream 6 I knew who the killers were right away because mm-hmm. as soon as Huey I don't know that Quaid boy name but I know he's Huey on the boys so as soon as Huey came up in Scream 5 I said oh he's the killer because they're not finna pay him to be in this movie and he just sitting around as somebody's boyfriend mm-hmm. so as soon as he was in the movie I said oh he's the killer and then as soon as that girl that um okay so my killers at first in Scream 6 I was like it's either the neighbor because the neighbor was super random the hot neighbor yeah. I said this little weirdo friend boy mm-hmm. and then <laughs> the roommate and then I didn't I didn't clock the cop at first until further into the movie when he was like, I could I could vouch for Quinn. And then he was he said something else that threw me off. And I was like, oh, he in on it. He is in on it. And then so I was like, okay, scratch the neighbor because he he felt too earnest. So I was like, he's definitely not the <laughs> he definitely not the killer. He he looked like a fake uh Christian Bell almost. And then that's, that's Rebecca's boyfriend, that guy. <laughs> so i was like oh it's it's definitely quinn and the weirdo boy and then the cop i said i definitely so i definitely called the killers so i guess i'm good at (laughs) calling the screen killers or Mm -hmm. it's just they make it that way like you said um (laughs) also i call bullshit on that big ass black man being taken out that fast by any of those three people because oh. bro walked out the room and then he just disappeared. That man was like 250, 6'2". <laughs> like, Quinn or that weird boy is not finna take that man out like that. And they didn't have no gun, nothing. They just grabbed him up. Like, who's snatching that? <laughs> Who is snatching up Jonathan Majors like that? <laughs> like, nobody is snatching that big man up like that. And he was too calm answering the phone. They was like, who is calling? They said, it's the killer. I said, not you calm as hell. <laughs> Also, any other black person would have been like, not you playing on my phone. It would have hung up on that man. Because you pull on somebody's phone talk about, I'm the killer. Boy, please relax. I'm hanging up the phone because now it's a spam call. Like, and he wouldn't have opened, he wouldn't have answered the phone for no random number on the no. house phone. Like, what that's a spam phone? call. We're not answering no random numbers. And I'm not talking to nobody to talk about, I'm the killer. Calm as hell. Oh, babe, it's for you. It's the killer. Like, what? I don't know this man. I do not know no killer. I don't know nobody named Killer. <laughs> oh, so, the disrespect. The disrespect to that character. Vulture just did, um, bro, they did a I whole bunch of... make that a white man. Why did y'all make this character black for no reason? I that know. was crazy. 
they oh. did like Vulture did like a complete ranking of every like scream victim, every like every person who gets killed in all the scream movies. And I think he was all the way at the very end. They're like, this character is done is 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 barely named or heard from and nor is he mourned because gail is pretty chill about right. <laughs> him getting murdered and she's like he well said, nope it wasn't dewey exactly and they're like letting the killers like oh the muscles didn't protect him and she's like they sure didn't and, right. <laughs> and they're like cool 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 uh, i guess we'll just keep it moving and also, uh, go yeah, out for gail now is- yeah, Scream is just crazy, too, because people do the worst shit in Scream movies. Like, everybody is always dumb in a scary movie, but Scream make their characters particularly stupid at decision-making. <laughs> like, Gail coming out that fucking closet when she had a whole phone and a gun in there. Why are you leaving the closet? If you don't call the police and stay in there with the gun, like, why are you hunting around for the killer? Like, that's not your friend. Like, leave them out there. That was crazy to me. And then fake Margot Robbie, her walking into that alley was crazy as hell. But I understood because I'm like, we wouldn't have had, obviously, the first kill if she wouldn't have done that. So it made sense. But I'm like, girl, you your outfit is too cute. The way I would have hung up that phone and started ordering some food because how you pick the restaurant, you don't know where it's at. That's your problem. I'm not walking in no alley for no man. I'm definitely, I'm not doing that. So, no, that was crazy as hell. And I did, I didn't like that. I thought if they it's a it's a part in the movie where they try to make it seem like Hayden Panettiere is the killer, and I thought if they were going to do that, they should have made it a longer bit. It was too fast to be believable mm. for me. Like I thought they them doing it at the last minute, like when they entered the theater, I thought it should have been like a longer bit, kind of like them being suspicious of her from the beginning almost, like that would have made more sense to me because then it would have been really suspenseful. Like, damn, is she a killer? Like, whatever. But I think overall, again, I clearly enjoyed myself because I was making a lot of commentary in the theater <laughs> and I, I liked it. It was it was it was absurd, over the top, campy. It was it was scream. I don't like that lead actor, though. She was in the Heights. Yeah. And yeah. Melissa, Melissa Barrera. She is just uh, OK to me. Like, yeah, she, she don't be selling it. She not no Sydney. No, no. And she the funny thing is she was so terrible in Scream 5 um that like in this one i was like okay like she has she has she's better she's definitely gotten better she's still like the casting is still kind of like yeah definitely not sydney level uh in terms of because like if she's going to be like the 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 core of the whole reboot ongoing reboot franchise there's there's some work to be done i always want to root for her because i loved her on that show vita so much Mm. um Mm -hmm. but like so far i feel like her film work like you know no one liked her in the heights (laughs) <laughs> no one liked her in Scream Five. Um, it seems like yeah, and everyone's liking her in this one. Uh, so yeah, it's but unfortunately Jenna Ortega is there to be amazing. Yeah, I like Jenna. I think she plays a good, irritating little sister because she was making stupid ass decisions too. Um, right. The twins, super surprised they survived the movie, but I like the Mindy. So Mindy played Evie on Leftovers, so that's where I know her from mm-hmm. um, on HBO, and I know she's she played in Yellow Jackets some- too, right? Yes, she is. Mm -hmm. I don't watch that, but I know she's in that. And she was in something else I watched, too. But I like her as an actor. Mm -hmm. Um, And she's also very funny. Like, did y'all see the after credit scene? Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, where she was just like, not every movie needs an after credit scene. (laughs) Like, I just like that she's super into it and all of that stuff. And Cuba Gooding's son. So I I like the characters overall. Yeah, it it was fine. I didn't like, it was something else I didn't like, but I forgot. 
<laughs> yes. uh, I understand. If the cop is the killer, then why did they have that whole bit where he was like, go look up the FBI records on... He was uh, lying. Yeah, but he like still told somebody at his work to go look them up. Like, why, he was what on was the, the phone with them. He was on the phone with them? So, I thought when he did that, he was on the phone. So I was like, oh, he was lying. He was faking. Mm. Mm. Like, I think he made that whole thing up. Yeah. I see. He was terrible. Yeah. <laughs> Dylan, I only know him from the wedding date. The wedding date. <laughs> I was gonna say that's not her name. Um Deborah Deborah Messing. Messing, right. Yes, her Deborah Messing's one bit at being a, a movie leading lady. And it was a uh, great I love that movie. That's a great outcome. <laughs> I love that. that I think Deborah Messing. And Amy Adams is in that too. I think before she got famous, she's in that movie. Yep. Yep, she but, played uh, a little sister that slept with her fiance. Oh. <laughs> he slept with Deborah Messing fiance in the movie. Oh shit. Well, I mean, Dermot Mulroney is, uh, yeah, I mean, from, I mean, my best friend's wedding, you know, rom-com royalty. Uh, yes, yes, yes. That's what he was in, too. So he, he might be just good at rom-coms, mostly. <laughs> yeah. He's, he's on this. I don't know how much of a future he has in the horror space. But, uh, but okay, so Rebecca, has, 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 has our reviews helped shed any light at all on, on what you experience when you watch the movie? No. Um, <laughs> not a damn thing. I mean, they do reference in the movie a lot. It's very self-referential. They talk all about about you know where they where they were last, <laughs> why they were there, who is related to who. Um, so like they do explain it, but I do feel like it is still um, bad. <laughs> yeah, it is I, still bad. It feels yeah. purposely almost bad though. Like in a, it's in its own kind of thing. I feel right. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's winking, you know, it's very self-aware, like it's aware of how, you know, it's aware of the campiness of it all and of the over-the-topness of it all. Like it's obviously, I mean, this sort of the, the first scream uh, almost pioneered the concept of meta, you know, of just sort of there's like yes. meta commentary <laughs> for right. a movie to have about itself. Um, and now they've and they've they've gone so deep into it uh, at this point. And even the thing, actually, you were saying about like, you know, oh, they're they're, they're a special kind of stupid in this movie. I remember in the, in the very first movie that was played for irony because the first time I think Sydney's on the phone with the killer, um, you know, he's asking her if she likes scary movies and she's like, oh, it's insulting. There's always some, you know, dumb, big breasted girl who's running, who's running up the stairs when she should be going out the front door. Um, and then he and then he jumps out at her and then she and she runs for the front door, but it's locked. And then she turns and then she runs up the stairs. <laughs> um, so, so I, in, you know, in that movie, it was it came across as this brilliant, uh, this sort of just like immediate meta commentary on like, oh, what people say to themselves when they watch horror movies versus what they would actually do in real life. If suddenly they were being right. stalked by a killer. Um, so, but of course, deeper and deeper you go into the franchise, you lose all that original context and it becomes more and more sort of just like a. Yeah. Um, yeah, just this kind of weird um, meta on meta on meta thing. But yeah, still enjoyable for me, but uh, but also, yeah. why was it Halloween like every day? <laughs> it did seem like it was taking place over a very long Halloween weekend in New York. It's true. It yeah. was like multiple days where people were wearing costumes out and about, and I, I was mean, very. Conf- y'all, I y'all been in San Francisco yeah, during the Halloween true. weekend. <laughs> it's literally if Halloween is on a Sunday, it's Halloween from Thursday to Monday. That is true. That is true. Um, yeah. The subway scene was terrifying. That was really well done. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that was good. 
that was really yeah. well um, executed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And they had the best actor in there, Evie. What's her name? Right. I don't know her name in real life, but jo- yeah, she played Jasmine, Evie on Jasmine the left. Savoy Brown. Yeah. yeah, I thought she did a great job at that. Uh, being yeah. ter- And it was funny because that's the first time you really see her being terrified. Right. Because exactly. she's the one that's like, oh, I'm not really super scared, blah, blah, blah. But now she's like, bro, I don't trust nobody. All of y'all ops. Right. <laughs> like, and also... All of y'all- <laughs> And also, she was vindicated because she was just like, I'm, yep. I'm, I'm here with Ghostface. <laughs> I'm over here. I'm, I'm stuck in this train with Ghostface. Right, exactly. <laughs> also, what are they paying Billy Loomis? Because this man is living <laughs> on He is the Bridget Moynihan of the Scream series because that's what she'd be oh doing in God. John Wick. Just oh, yeah. in... Just in the dreams, in the in the daydreams, and popping up in his head. I'm like, he gonna have this slick back forever. Billy gonna be balding, and he, they finna put a wig on him with that slick I mean, back. That already is a wig. I mean, like they're putting that wig on him, and they're putting that same stabbed up T-shirt on him, it's and now he. Crazy. I mean, yeah, Rebecca, they he came back in the him. previous one too. He came right. back in Scream Five as well because he, you know, as as you may piece together, he's meant to be Samantha's father. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, oh. that a few times, <laughs> right? Um, also, I mean, you know, Rebecca, did you at least like when Samantha got tarred on Twitter? Um, yes, 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 of course. <laughs> I was like, oh, I'm feeling the tar, I'm feeling the tar influence. Oh, Samantha's having a video of her edit and put out of context online. Todd Field would be proud, <laughs> exactly. Todd Field, Todd Field would, would smirk. Um, in, in, in appreciation uh, but uh, alright well let's let's rate this one it's a consume for me yeah watch it I, I say watch it I mean I've sat through Babylon so at, at this point <laughs> like I could watch anything <laughs> so I say watch it it's, it's fun and entertaining and laugh at it um, it's, it's gonna be a, it's gonna be a, a it's going to be a pass for me. <laughs> but I mean, like, no, it's the thing. If, well, yeah. It, it's, it's not the kind of movie you could be like, seen. I haven't seen any Scream since the first one. Um, like, yeah, I, I wouldn't start now. Right. Yeah, no, I mean, I would never recommend this to anybody who hasn't seen at least or at least Scream 5, even if you skipped over movies and watched like, if yeah, watch Scream 5 before you watch Scream 6, if you are interested. Um, it is in theaters and rated R. And we didn't say that about Creed, which is in theaters and rated PG-13. Our last movie of the day is Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantum Mania. Ant-Man and the Wasp find the- <laughs> Ant-Man and the Wasp find themselves exploring the quantum realm, interacting with strange new creatures, and embarking on an adventure that pushes them beyond the limits of what they thought was possible. Does it though? <laughs> I feel like that's all a lie. Yeah, I'm not going to hold you. I didn't like this movie. (laughs) (laughs) Right to the point. Well, uh, yeah, I don't know. How is it compared to Babylon? Uh, I mean, that's bar on the floor, Babylon. But (laughs) Ant-Man, at least least I like some of the people in Ant-Man. Like... Oh, actually, that's a good question. I had to think more on it, but it, no, it wasn't a bad Babylon. I'm I'm guessing it because Babylon was like four hours. And this, oh, was, shit, this was no. too. And Ant Man was too long, but it wasn't that long. I'm I'm guessing it was like three. But that's, I mean, at three, you might as well be six. 
<laughs> right. <laughs> at, least, at least at least Ant-Man 3 has some nice San Francisco exteriors. So there's that. Uh, yeah, I don't know if we... Oh, sorry, I don't know if we're having a connection issue. Um, can everyone hear me? Yes. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> you're like, oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah. So, so for this one, I, I don't know, Ashley, if you've ever been on one of our, our, our episodes whenever we're doing a Marvel thing. Um, but, you know, Rebecca has become you know, a real time sort of Marvel super fan over the run of our show ever since Thor Ragnarok came out. Uh, so uh, so I'd love to hear uh, uh, Rebecca from, you know, from you on where this one fit into the ongoing um, you know, evolution of the MCU, where it fits into the, the current um, you know, chapter that we're in uh you know all all that good stuff rebecca you watch uh, the shows too i watch the shows too yeah um and just really recently been thinking about how I, we want to rewatch um uh, wandavision mm-hmm. wandavision is my creed one <laughs> um we're in a, we're in a weird time we're in a weird time in the in the mcu um you know with wakanda forever um, and this film, it, it feels, um, it feels like it's just like a transitional period between characters and, and, and it, we haven't yet made the transition to the new phase. It feels like, um, in, in a, in a time when like, we're much more aware of what the phases are. Mm. I think in the, before, you know, we had all these sort of individual movies coming out. And again, I didn't see them at the time in real time, right? I didn't start watching them until after they became the Avengers. Um, but maybe it was, it felt less, uh, less of a need to sort of tie everything together. It feels like there's just like a project manager, like pulling their hair out, trying to like make sure that everything lines up across all the different TV shows and movies. And I think that, like, as an audience, we're kind of brought into that a bit in this. In this, It's hard to just kind of sit back and enjoy because mm. we're trying to, like, reconcile all of these things that are happening and, and trying to see what will show up or won't show up. Um, the difference between Wakanda Forever and Quantumania is that, I mean, there were circumstances beyond anyone's control for why Wakanda Forever had to change the direction of of that story right um Mm. and they did it very well but it's also it's not a fun film um and that's okay but this one felt wholly unnecessary Mm. i'm not sure why we're going back to the pims i'm not sure what this movie it didn't like leave me excited about something coming Um, I don't, it's, it's really like, I don't know why the time was used this way. We were introduced to characters that creatures, creatures, I guess is what we call them in the description that I, I don't know where they're going to fit in. It felt very, um, unimaginative. You have a, a space that has been pretty previously unexplored and you could kind of do anything and they just made space again. Mm which they've already done so many times and so much better. Um, this, this was a, this was a disappointment. 
Agree. Um, I'm going to read my notes. So I said, <laughs> didn't like it. A lot of the... Co- <laughs> just in case you forget. Right. Uh, wait, well, let me just get my check my notes real quick. Which right, one is this? Yeah. Oh, yes. I did not like it. Right, wait, wait. I said, didn't like it. A lot of the quantum felt like fake Star Wars. Too long. Yes. Didn't need it. Um, and then I said, I did love Jonathan Major's Kang costuming. Uh, and then the ending would have been better if Ant-Man lost. So it's, again, like Creed, nothing <laughs> like Creed. Nothing. <laughs> Look, both movies would have been better if Jonathan Majors won. I think is the through line of the show. And I you think Scream Six would have also been better if Jonathan Majors won something. <laughs> so I think, yeah, I I just don't know. It just wasn't good, like, and I don't, we didn't need it. I think that was my biggest thing is, like, there was nothing of added value to me. I felt like we could have put Kang in something else because I, I do realize that they wanted to continue Kang um, in a way, from Loki because he was in Loki. Obviously, that's where he was introduced. Um, but, I mean, like, it, could we have done it in another way, in another film? I don't know. It just didn't feel like the proper vessel even to expand his character because we spent so much time with what's her name uh wasp old wasp not new wasp not <laughs> I, um, kate not kate from lost i don't like her old wasp. michelle pfeiffer michelle pfeiffer like we spent a lot of time with her and then i don't even know why michael douglas is here at this point like no idea the daughter didn't like her and then when she was like literally she said this is all my fault me and my friend said yes it is i love the theater <laughs> Because, yes, girl, nobody told your ass to be doing all this signaling to the quantum realm. Nobody asked you to do that. Like, you just doing extra credit for no reason. So, yes, the entire movie was her fault, and she should have got a whipping. Like, what are we doing here? Um, But, yeah, I I thought it just didn't make sense to Like, I know you said this about Creed, but it didn't make sense to me that Ant-Man beat up Kang. Like, he's supposed to be the powerful, most powerful. And then... Paul Rudd was taking all them big ass boots to the face and he still walked <laughs> out of there like that. That did not make sense to me. But I did like Jonathan Major's costume. And like when he put on that blue, not blue, purple and green outfit. Oh, I loved it. It was so well done. So I did like his character. And I, I wish we got a little bit more of just him being like super extra powerful because I didn't get that kind of intimidating new villain feeling. Kind of like with Thanos. Like when Thanos showed up, he was like, oh, shit finna get real. Mm-hmm. And I didn't really get that from this. I don't think it was a proper introduction for his character. defeated by a bunch of ants. Yeah. Right. Like yeah. It, it just didn't make sense. Like why y'all do the black man like that? Like that's right. 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 Like um, how is he how are we supposed to take him seriously as the next Thanos when you gave him such an embarrassing loot like loss in his very yeah. first full like, film? Like he should have won. I felt like he should have like beat up Paul Rudd and then like when they were when they had that open circle to the new to the um regular to the regular realm, he would have like ran through at the end. Like right. that would have been great. And, and terrifying because now Kenny in San Francisco, what are we finna do? Like, right. <laughs> give him avocado toast and cronuts. Like, he ain't finna do in the Bay. Like, it's gonna last not... black man in San Francisco. Right. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Meta. You <laughs> put on a little watch cap. Right. Um, but it would have been, I thought that would have been good, but yeah, it was just wow. And yeah, the quantum realm felt like super Star Wars ripoff. Like, even when they Absolutely. went to that bar. Absolutely. The like, cantina oh, thing? 
Yeah, I was like, this is Star Wars, but not as good. Right. <laughs> this is Mandalorian. <laughs> absolutely. It, yeah, that's I, I that's was another huge talking um, point around the like you could have done anything with the quantum realm, and you made it space, and you made it space based on another IP. Like what? Like you could have done anything. It's it's just so disappointing. Yeah, yeah, I didn't get it honestly, and. Marvel is in a bit of a rut right now. I feel like with movies specifically, yeah. the TV shows have been like a little bit stronger, I think. But um, yeah, who I don't and I don't even know what's coming up next. And I admittedly haven't even seen all of the original runs. I've seen most of them. I just haven't. I can't do all these sequels. Like I haven't seen all Iron Man. I haven't seen um, Guardians of the Galaxy two. Like. I've seen most of the original joints, but I'm not watching 50 million uh, <laughs> about one person. Like that's, I, I hopefully with Bob Iger back, we could cut down on some of these sequels. But like, I I can't do all everything. I can't yeah, watch everything. Um, yeah, I feel like sequels with MCU are always such a mixed bag. Uh, I feel like the one that has like the highest overall potency is like the Spider-Man sequels. Uh, like I don't feel like there's ever been like a bad Spider-Man sequel. Uh, and I guess maybe Captain America too, but otherwise it, it has. Well, yeah, because the first one was stinky, so they couldn't go nowhere but up. <laughs> right, exactly, exactly, exactly. Well, and then the whole quantum realm thing. I saw a lot of people talking about how, like, well, first of all, that it just just the overall VFX was awful, but then mm. that a lot of people were attributing that to you know this whole thing around Marvel, like basically not taking care of their of their visual effects artists, you know, not paying yeah. them well, not giving mm. them good working conditions. And then as a result, you get this just this this ugly mishmash of of nothingness uh, that oh is God. the quantum realm in this movie. No, but this was not worse than that Doctor Strange shit. Did y'all see the oh. last Doctor Strange? <laughs> the CGI? Yeah. Bruh, so I thought bad. I was watching episode one. Star Wars <laughs> episode one from like 2002 or whenever that came out. <laughs> that shit was crazy. That one-eyed monster looks so bad. The CGI and no, the CGI and Doctor Strange, yeah, Ant Man was trash, but no, the CGI and Doctor Strange was crazy. <laughs> like that looks <laughs> terrible. But yeah, I think yeah, Marvel got to get this shit together. Like that's, it's not looking bright. Yeah, I, 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 yeah, what they gonna do? Like they introducing hella shit. Like in the last. Because now even they, I don't know if they're going to continue this. And I don't know if y'all have seen all the Spider-Mans and, um, what's brand name? Venom. But they merged the two. They merged Tom Spider-Man Hardy, and Venom? Yeah, right. Tom Hardy, he was like, who is that on the TV? Oh, so right, they like yes. merged mm-hmm. the universes of oh. Marvel and um, Venom. Right, like- Right, oh, like there, because there's like the Sony-owned um, right. Marvel stuff, and then there's like right. the, you know, the Disney-owned Marvel stuff, right? Right. But at the end of the Venom, they combined it. Oh, I, I didn't, I didn't see the last Venom movie. Yeah, I missed a huge it, piece I of mythology. I didn't see Venom either. It was in some. It was at the end of something else. Either also because it, who was it? Because Venom's like at a bar, and the bartender yes. is the guy the from Spider-Man. Ted Lasso. Um, oh right, right. yeah, because Brett Goldstein's uh, in it now. Roy Kent. No, 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 no. The Mexican dude. She talking about the Mexican yeah. dude. Oh, oh, yeah. You know, he plays cause... a bartender. Venom's like oh. at a bar, like yeah. in some Dan, beach. Dan, they got town. Danny Rojas. Danny yeah, Rojas. Danny Rojas. Danny Rojas. Oh, and he's okay. like, yeah, he's like looking at the TV, and he's like, "Who's that?" So there is going to be some crossover. 
it seems like that's they they signaled it pretty. It was, I mean, they also have Harry Styles coming. Oh right, Harry Styles. Yeah. Girl, yeah <laughs> not the not the thespian that is. Listen, you know, it's going to be a film that you watch in the cinema. It's a movie. And and that's what's going to be so great about it, is that it's a movie. That's what Ant-Man was. It was a movie. (laughs) It was a movie. (laughs) Oh, my God. No, I feel like the only nice thing I can say about Ant-Man 3 is that it did give us a lot of Michelle Pfeiffer. I was like, too okay. Much. Too <laughs> much. I was I was vibing. I love her. I she is she is one of the true movie stars. And I was like, okay, uh, this is great. Love it. Um but uh but yeah, no, I mean this movie is is just yeah, to use your word, Rebecca, just wholly unnecessary. Yeah. Okay, so it was the No Way Home post credits. That's the Venom at the Bar. So it was Spider Man. Oh, okay. <laughs> and it's like what yeah. they they introduced so much stuff, like what is gonna happen to all this? Yeah, we'll yeah. See. they are. Yeah, they are adrift. I'm sure they're having and they know they know that they're in trouble, um, you know, so I'm sure they're having all kinds of, you know, tense meetings at MCU HQ right now uh, being like, we got to write this ship. We can't have we can't let DC catch up on us. And don't worry, I'm sure DC never will. No, uh, but, I don't know. I wasn't planning on watching the uh, Flash, but when I saw uh, what's the name, Michael, uh, Michael Keaton, I said, oh, I'm signing up. I'm oh. finna go see this the first week. All That's you have to right. tell me was that Michael Keaton Batman was in it. See, but now they're pulling on nostalgia. I don't. They right. pander. Mm. Yeah, they exactly. Well, and he would have been in 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 Batwoman too. Um, he he, you know. But then yeah, they went and shelved shelved that whole movie. Yeah. Which but, is uh, weird. like so much bullshit get released every year. Y'all <laughs> thought that movie couldn't even be on streaming. That's crazy as hell. Yeah. Truly. Truly chilling, chilling, chilling. Uh, but well, do we have any anything else to say about Ant Man and the Wasp Quantumania, or are we ready to rate it? Is this the last one? Yeah, this is a wrap for Ant Man, right? Yeah. Ain't no more Ant Man's. I mean, Ant Man's always been my least favorite. I think of the <laughs> of the series. Dang, it's the one that I had. She hate Paul Rudd. That's crazy. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> um. They're going to replace him with that guy that works on Late Night with Seth Meyers that uh, Lisa thought was Paul Rudd. Oh. That's the future. <laughs> Wait, who? Now I got to Google. Oh, you got to watch uh, Day Drinking with Lizzo, Seth Meyers. Um, especially you can find that on, on YouTube. It's very, very funny. Um, <laughs> but so I did leave it being like, okay, this was kind of. I, I stayed awake during the whole movie. I had slept through Ant-Man, like, I think Ant-Man 2, like, every time I watched it. It it was really hard for me to... to, to I, don't, I don't think I don't like the ant thing. <laughs> it's kind of a really kind of a novelty, like, idea for a superhero and, like, that it keeps going. And then it's, like, all these... And then we're still talking about the ants at the end of the day. Um, <laughs> like, the ant, the literal ant save the day. Um, I did like how Michael Douglas, like became like a socialist at the end of the, the movie. <laughs> oh, that right. was funny. Um, <laughs> and yeah, I don't know. It was super weird and it didn't make any sense. It's still a, a, a you know, big Marvel movie and Jonathan Majors is great. And I am excited about like the Kang era. Um, but this one is like the rest of the Ant-Man's at the bottom of the list. Um, so nah. I would say... Thor, Thor 4. 
but worse than all the Ant-Mans. I mean, Thor it's better four? than all the. It's better than all the Ant-Mans. Thor four better than all the Ant-Mans. Because you said it's at the bottom of the list. That's a long list. It's a long. It's a long list. I do think Thor four is better than the Ant-Man's. What on the Ant-Man? That's crazy. Cause Thor four was garbage. Um, you don't like those big ass horses? Okay. I, wow. I just didn't like Christian Bale talking silly in that damn makeup. That was crazy. <laughs> I like really like Christian Bale in Thor four. Yeah, and we didn't. Natalie Portman didn't need to come back, but I ain't gonna do no, it. That's a weird one too. Stuff. But that is a weird one. That one gets that gets in the bucket of it's Thor four. Yeah, <laughs> I like calling it that it though. Thor, Thor four, Ant Man three, right? This is Ant Man three. Yeah. And Wakanda Forever are just like. Right. We it's a weird time. Um, You're right. MCU's in a rut. They well, then it, it was uh, what's the name? Uh, the Eternals is in there. Right. Oh my yeah. God! That one was just a piece of shit. Yeah. Um, that's not like oh it's a weird period that movie Dang. just like tell oh. Tony Zhao how you really feel wow trash garbage <laughs> wow. get that shit out of here <laughs> Rebecca said give me that Oscar the funniest back. part about that because y'all mentioned Harry Styles but I remember sitting in the theater <laughs> watching the after credit scenes and you know they do the blade scene so my right. friend's like, you know whose voice that is? I said, clearly that's Mahershala Ali. Because I'm not going to... I know what that man sounds like. <laughs> that was not a surprise for me. And then they do the Harry Styles scene. So I leaned over to my friend and said, who is that white man? He looks so familiar. And she said, she looked at me like I had forehead. She was like, that's Harry Styles. And I was like, oh! Like, at the point, I knew who he... I knew his name. It was like Claire Foy. I had seen oh. her face before. <laughs> And I knew the name Claire Foy, but I could never put the two together. Mm -hmm. So that's how Harry Styles went for me. I had seen this man before with the little hairstyle he used to have. And I knew the name Harry Styles, but I never put the two together like at the same place. So like I was like, oh, yeah, that's Harry Styles. Of course, now I know since all the uh, the Voldemort movie that I won't name uh, drama came out, I know who clearly who Harry Styles is now. But yeah, I did not know who that boy was when he came on the theater, so I did not have a reaction. I said, who is that white man? <laughs> I was trying to figure out who was the voice of that leprechaun. Who was yeah. it? Is it Seth Rogen? Or is it Patton Oswalt? Probably the latter. He be in hella stuff. He was the uh, damn bird in Sandman. Oh, did y'all watch that? Oh, okay. I still don't watch Sandman, no. No, I haven't. Yeah, I mean, yeah, they, they have, like, yeah, like we're saying, they have all these characters they keep introducing, like uh, Harry Styles' character and Brett Goldstein's character and just all these different, you know, pieces that are just kind of, like, introducing to the big MCU puzzle and with, like, you know, no for sure plan of, like, what they're going to do with them. But, oh, wait, but yeah. Wait, four, you didn't like Zeus? <laughs> Russell Crowe. Russell Crowe. Russell Crowe. Oh. Doing his, like... And when he would pick up his little skirt and walk down the steps, that was funny. Oh, right. Like, Roy Kent is in it now. Right, yeah. Roy mm -hmm. Kent is in it. Right. Yeah, I don't know what they finna do. It's finna be... <laughs> it's gonna be complicated. It's gonna be it's complicated. Gonna yeah. Be they, aren't, they aren't killing off enough people, also. Like, half of that Ant-Man family should be... Why are they bringing them back and also having new characters, you know? They should have left that girl right. in the quantum realm where she wanted to right. be. <laughs> right. <laughs> yes. Did you want to uh, call down here so much? How about you stay with your folks? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Also, we didn't need Bill Murray in this. No. Do not yeah, need. that was a bummer. Do um, not need. Yeah, that was. But, it was. This was a random ass movie, man. 
Yeah, it's, and they go and they start cause all that trouble for Chidi and his friends. Right. They just make a mess Poor out of everything. Chidi. Right. Yeah. It's true. This movie. Those is scenes a... were funny. I like those little people that they that they got in there. Yeah, that was amusing. But then I think people were pointing out. It was funny you mentioned like the 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 Star Wars of it all. I mean, it's really it's it feels like a down market Guardians of the Galaxy more directly than mm. you know, mm. like like that's because that's the start the Guardians whole thing is like doing this kind of like irreverent space western Star Wars thing, but you know for like the you know yeah. for the Marvel world of it all. And this came so close to, like, I'm surprised that, like, the MCU overlords let this movie get so close to being a Guardians movie. Um, Because it's like, you know, you don't want to, like, muddy the brand. Like, you know, you can't I mean, Maga Pratt is in the movie, so the brand is already muddied. (laughs) And uh, and what's his name? Bill Murray. So we're in the, the bar is in hell once again. Yeah, we're we're in the dark timeline now on MCU. But this movie is a... <laughs> Shang Chi oh, was oh, the yeah. last like good Marvel movie. I feel I liked like. it a lot. Yeah. Well, uh, Spider Man came after that, so I liked. Spider-Man oh, okay. Too, yeah, yeah. yeah. All, all the Spider Man movies have been great, and Shang Chi mm-hmm. was really good, but not this one. This one's a send it back for me. Uh, I think it was just objectively just a bad movie, just bad. It just it, yeah, it, it, it lost. I would say it lost the thread, but I don't know if it ever had the thread. It was just you know, and I, I didn't mind the last two anime movies. They definitely like they were, they were more you know low stakes, low key in a way that I didn't mind in like the bombast of the MCU. But this one just like everything that made those movies sort of fun to watch, it was just lost in this one. Yeah, they should have just kept it like light, you know, with Ant Man if they was gonna do a third one. Like I said, I think Kang would have been better served being introduced in something else. Ant Man is a little like Baskin Robin. I don't like <laughs> it's, it's too much, you know. Like Paul Paul Rudd is very cute and wholesome. Like I don't know, it could have been done a different way. I'd yeah, skip it and uh, <laughs> watch watch Loki instead. <laughs> that would be yeah, a better introduction to Kang. It could have been a. It should have been a show. Yeah. Yeah. This should have been a show. Um, also, just, yeah. they, they overpromised on and the wasp because <laughs> unless they were talking old wasp. Yeah, <laughs> now old the wasp, only way I'm ever going to refer to Michelle Pfeiffer ever old again. Wasp? Old wasp. <laughs> you know that movie where old wasp is a teacher in like the inner city. The one Coolio. Michelle is 100%, but like in this case, I was like, it's Kate or the old wasp, like. <laughs> I don't know what I actually don't even know what Kate name is in these movies. Hope. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah it's Hope. It's Hope. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Ho- hope you remember me you <laughs> because you put that. me in the title of this movie. Right. She's like, she's, like, she's more like Hope you forget she's an anti-vaxxer. I was just about to say that. <laughs> also very on brand for Kate if you ever watch Lost. Right. <laughs> very true. Kate would definitely be an anti-vaxxer. 100%. And uh, I'm going to say... sorry. I'm going to no, say go consumer moderation um, because I'm contractually obligated to not give them all the movie and send it back. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. It, wait for it to come out on Disney Plus. <laughs> don't don't go to the theaters. Trust me, because that is a disappointment, right? Like, this is why I should have been a TV show. You're going to show me something. You're going to make me put on those dumbass fucking glasses and you're going to show mm-hmm. me this where no, I'm like, is it clear if I take these glasses? Yeah, I make that <laughs> mistake every time. <laughs> wait, wait, did you not do it intentionally this time? Did you still accidentally go to the 3D? <laughs> no, I did it intentionally. Okay. <laughs> I was. I'm always expecting something better. <laughs> anyway, 
Yeah, it's it's a consume minus. <laughs> um, and that's it. Those are all 15 movies we watched this week. Right. Screed like 3, it. Screed 9, and, uh, <laughs> and, and Man of the Old Wasp. Wasp. <laughs> <laughs> and the Old Wasp. <laughs> oh my God. Um, thank you so much, Ashley, for joining us. Um, come back again soon. And by soon, I mean whenever we do a show again, because that's always like right. a exactly. big question mark. So, yeah, so uh, <laughs> whenever we do our fall wrap-up for our next episode. Uh, we'll, we'll, <laughs> our next award. Like, we have 12 exactly. Marvel movies to discuss. Yeah. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Runs. Read 14. <laughs> ah, that's hilarious. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, Ashley, anything anything you want to mention Any where, where people can find you? Nah, I don't be on the socials like that no more. Um, especially <laughs> oh, yeah. since Elon took over. But ah yes. Um, nah, just catch me on here. That's it. I don't, <laughs> I don't be there no more like that. I don't do be doing. I be at work and watching movies. <laughs> Clearly, because I've seen twenty six movies uh, so far this year. Exactly. So catch me at the local theater. That's it. <laughs> you don't want to or... give your phone numbers so that a killer can call you. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh hey, you we have a caller screen. on line uh, one for Ashley. It's killer. It's killer. <laughs> Do you want to take that call? Right. <laughs> killer <you> Anderson. Can, <laughs> right. You can also find Ashley on Bob the Drag Queen and Monet Exchange's Patreon. So. Yes, I am a patron. Catch me on there. Just, I'd be lurking though. I don't be talking. <laughs> it just be funny. But yeah, catch me on there for sure. I love this Maybe we'll do a drag race recap one day because there's not enough drag yeah. race recaps. Exactly. In <laughs> there's not a single one as far as I know. <laughs> 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 but yes, but thank you for coming back and joining us again. Uh, Rebecca, thank you for watching Scream 6. <laughs> <laughs> right. Oh, one thing I did want to say is like that Nev Campbell shit made me think of it, but like pay women whatever they are asking you for. Cause that yeah. Nancy Myers movie just got scrapped right. over at Netflix cause she was asking for more money. But like, this is really stupid. Billy Loomis is literally in Scream 6. Y'all couldn't pay <laughs> Nev Campbell more money so she could be in it. Like that doesn't make any sense. So like watch movies directed by women, watch movies with women in it and then pay, pay women. Like that, that's ridiculous. Especially black women. Like, Go see St. Omer, like, if you haven't seen it. Like, mm-hmm. that's that's all I want to say, but... Amen. Yeah. No better note to end on. Thank you so all much right. for listening, and, uh, and we'll see you around. Bye, guys. Bye. Binging on movies with Rebecca and Jason. You made it to the end, that's amazing. There, there goes, goes the, the binge. binge.